0: Good morning again. When I was 18 years old, a brand new college student at Oklahoma Christian University, uh, it was the very first year on that campus they had wireless internet on the entire campus. And one of the new things they were doing at OC that year is they gave all of us freshmen laptops. Okay? Uh, and the idea was that by giving all of us teenagers these laptops, it would greatly increase our educational ability. Right? Now we had these tools, we could use them in class, we could do all of these amazing, wonderful things. Now we had internet in all of our classrooms, and we all had laptops. Okay? Now, did we use the OC laptops to do some schoolwork? Yes, a little bit right? Uh, did we also do a whole bunch of other stuff with those OC laptops? Absolutely. Uh, we put many games on our laptops. Uh, I personally killed my fair share of monsters on my OC laptop through the click of my mouse, right? That was important. Uh, we also spent a lot of time in class surfing the internet, Um, There's nothing more important when you're sitting in chemistry class or something to be surfing the internet. Uh, We also use them to talk to each other. This was in the days of AOL Instant Messenger. That was king at that time. Uh, In fact, the very first way I ever asked Rachel out on a date was on an OC laptop sitting in the middle of my science class, um, sending her an AOL Instant Message saying, would you want to go out this weekend? And She said, yes. Okay, and the rest is history. All right. Now, the administration of Oklahoma Christian intended us to use these laptops for a particular purpose, and we did some of that, Uh, but because we were all so busy using them for a bunch of other things, the average grade point for all incoming freshmen that year took a pretty good nosedive. Okay. In fact, by year two of their wireless internet and laptops in every student's hands policy, um, most of the classes had a no laptops in class rule, okay, which I thought was a little bit funny. Now, for the most part, uh, we weren't doing anything wrong with the laptops, Okay, at least not in class. All right, but we weren't using them for the reason that they were given, And so a positive tool turned into a negative experience. Okay, now... I tell you that story because I think that's illustrative of the way we often do with the gifts that God gives us, right? God gives us a lot of gifts. He gives them to us for very specific reasons. Okay, but then what we tend to do, the way we often get messed up in our spiritual walk with Jesus, is we take these good gifts that God has given us and we end up using them for a bunch of other things and we miss out on the glory that God intended for us. Okay, for instance... Uh, we do that with money, right? God gives us money. He gives it to us so we'll be good stewards of it. But what do we do with it instead? Okay, we hoard it, right? Uh, God does the same thing with us. He gives us power. Okay, and what do we do with it? We're supposed to use our power to serve other people. What do we do instead? Yeah, we use it for ourselves, right? We use it selfishly. Right? In our text this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, if you haven't already turned there, go ahead. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6, Paul says we even do that with our own bodies, God has given us our physical bodies, and he's given them to us to use them for his glory, for his purposes. And then instead of using that gift for God, we use it selfishly, and we get all messed up. Okay, So notice 1 Corinthians 6, starting in verse 12. It says, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything. But I will not be mastered by anything. You say, food for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with the prostitute? never do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body. For it is said, the two will become one flesh. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. So flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Alright, this number uh, may not be historically accurate, but the ancient poets said that the city of Corinth was a city of a thousand temple prostitutes. It was a very busy port town. It was a very cosmopolitan area. People were coming and going all the time, trading through Corinth. It sits on a very key spot in Greece where most of the commerce that would go through the the subcontinent of Greece all ends up flowing through Corinth at one time or another. Okay, and in this city, they built this huge temple to Aphrodite. Okay, she's the goddess of love and of sex. Okay, so the regular way that you worship Aphrodite is you make love to one of the temple workers. Okay, as you can imagine, uh, lots of men got really religious and pious whenever they visited Corinth. Okay, and apparently, some of the Christian men from the church in Corinth regularly participated in this, and they didn't see anything wrong with it. Okay, and so part of what Paul is addressing in this section of 1 Corinthians 6 is he's saying that you men who are visiting these temple prostitutes, that is not in line with a Jesus kind of living. Okay? And so, here what Paul is doing at the end of 6, notice what, what he's doing. He's using quotes from the Corinthians. You see a lot of the, the verses here are in quotations. And what Paul is doing is he's saying, here's the quote that you all are saying, and then now I'm going to explain to you why that is not in line with a Jesus way of living. And we've seen this before in Corinthians. We saw this a couple chapters ago, where Paul will take one of their own slogans and then talk about it. We'll see this again later. Of course, one of the problems for us reading the scripture is knowing when is Paul quoting them versus when is Paul saying what Paul wants to say. Okay, but in this text it seems pretty clear when he's using their quotes. Okay, so here's their basic argument. This is the argument that the Corinthians built, and then Paul's gonna destroy, right? They were saying, okay, we know Aphrodite isn't real. Right? We know that there's not some big panoply of all these gods and goddesses up there. This is stuff that a bunch of men all made up. Okay? And we know that the temple is just a building. Okay? It's not like you can go in this big temple in Corinth and find Aphrodite sitting there. No, what you find is a, is a big chunk of rock that's been carved to look like a woman, but all it is is a chunk of rock. So, when we go to the temple to worship, we're not really worshiping, right? Right? It's just a building. Okay, also, we know that just like God created our hunger and created food to satisfy it, God also is the one who has created our sexual appetites, and we know that God's the one that created beautiful women. Right? Also, we know someday God's going to destroy all of this anyways. That temple to Aphrodite is not going to be there forever. The city of Corinth isn't going to be there. And in fact, nothing you see around you, including your own body, is going to be around forever. So what difference does it make what we do with our bodies? We're spiritual beings. If God is going to destroy it, then it doesn't matter what we do with it. If we believe that all of this is going to burn, and it is, then why are we so hung up on something that's temporary anyways? Okay? You see the argument they were using? Right? And like with most heresy in the world, it contains a lot of truth, right? The way most false teaching works is you have a whole bunch of truth and you have a little bit of lies in it, and then that leads us down a path that we never want to go down. Now, the easy thing for Paul to do at this point, if I'm writing this letter, what I probably do is I look at this situation and I just write very plainly, all right, quit going to prostitutes, next chapter. But you notice Paul doesn't do that. In fact, that would make a very short sermon this morning, right? I could just say, okay, no one go to prostitutes anymore. Let's stand and sing, okay? Paul doesn't do that, though. Paul goes through their argument, and he goes through teaching us some very important principles that apply to a whole lot more than just this one specific situation, okay? If we're truly going to be Jesus' people, there's several things that this text says we need to think about as we think about how do we use even our own physical bodies for the glory of God Almighty, right, so if you're taking notes um, on the front of your bulletin, I've left you some blanks. Here's the first question that Paul wants us to ask. right, and that is the question, what's beneficial? Okay, notice that first way he starts. The the Corinthians were saying, I have the right to do anything. He says, okay, but not everything is good, right? Just because you can doesn't mean you should. You know, I was thinking about this this week. Uh, Rachel and I, just a couple weeks ago, had to make up a bunch of new rules for our family based on stuff that we couldn't see coming, okay? And this is a regular occurrence when you have small children, right? You don't know what rules to make until you see your kids getting into stuff, okay? The other day, Sam came in from playing out in the backyard, and he was so excited. He was, dad, dad, there's a dead squirrel in the backyard, okay? This was amazing. This was so exciting, Okay, some of you women are going, what are you talking about? And the men are like, yeah, I can see how a little boy would do that, right? Little boys and girls are different, just so you know, okay? Sam was so excited about this dead squirrel, we had to make up some new rules that I hadn't thought about before, right? Rule number one, don't touch dead animals in the backyard. That immediately led to rule number two, don't take sticks and touch dead animals in the backyard. Rule number three had to come up. We don't bring dead animals back inside the house. Dead animals outside have to stay outside, all right? A lot of new rules entered my house just a couple of weeks ago. All right, now, okay, and this is a principle that we've talked about before, but I think it is so important if it's exactly what Paul is saying here. right, my goal as a parent is not ultimately to come up with a perfect set of rules and then teach my kids to memorize those rules and follow them, okay? The reason that is not the goal of parenting is because there's no way I could ever come up with enough rules to cover every single scenario that my kids can come into right? The goal is not to have a perfect set of rules. The goal is to teach my kids wisdom so that when they get into any situation in life, they can know the right and the wrong things to do. That makes sense? Now, Paul could easily come to the Corinthians and say, okay, here's a rule, no prostitutes, right? That would be a good rule, okay? But Paul wants them to develop wisdom Okay, and that's the way that Scripture actually works for us, too. It's about teaching us wisdom so that we can live lives that are in line for what God created for us. Okay, so here's the principle that we have to understand if we're going to apply this to our own lives. Okay, I think we are so ready to define sin as a list of stuff not to do that we never experience the full life for which God created us. Does that make sense? I think Christianity is not about avoiding a list of bad behaviors. I think Christianity is about learning to walk and talk like Jesus. Now, there are certainly a lot of rules that we still follow, right? There's certainly a lot of behaviors that we avoid, right? One of them being, you know, no prostitutes. Okay, we could certainly list a lot more. Okay, but a relationship with Jesus is so much bigger, it is so much more fulfilling than obeying a list of thou shalt nots. Okay, Jesus is longing for us to be in relationship with him. He doesn't want us just following a list of rules that's not what it's about and whenever we make it about just following a list of rules, we miss out on the good life that God has intended for us. Okay, and so as we think about honoring God with our bodies, we need to think, well what's beneficial right What is beneficial for us to do with the bodies that God's given us? you know here's a, an example that can be personally in. Um, what sort word I'm looking for it's against me but it, we'll use it as a good example anyway right okay is it wrong to drink coca-cola this is Atlanta the, the answer to that is no it is not wrong to drink coca-cola right is it wrong to drink coke all day every day it's not beneficial right okay so what's the line how much coke can you drink okay I can't give you a rule alright don't tell me just one that's not the rule right that's not it that's not the rule. Yeah, well, it, yeah, it can be one if it's big enough, right? Yeah, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's fine. Yeah, I can drink one a day. That's cool. That's all right. Well, what's beneficial? Okay, I think part of spiritual maturity is about making judgments about what's beneficial. Right? For instance, should we exercise? Yes. Can I give you a legalistic rule for exactly how much you should exercise every day? No. Okay, but we need to develop the wisdom to look at our lives and say, okay, for me and my situation where I am right now, what's beneficial? Okay, we need to learn how to ask that question. All right, question number two is what's mastering me? Okay, notice again, Paul repeats her slogan a second time. He says, I have the right to do anything. And then Paul says, but I will not be mastered by anything. Right, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this point, but the question is, what really sets the agenda for your life? Okay, do you go to work every day dreaming about what you're going to do on the weekend? Okay, if every day you're just thinking about, what's, what, what does the weekend hold for me, then the weekend is what's mastering your life. Okay, what is the thing that you're constantly thinking about? Whenever you can't go to sleep at night and you're constantly having to think about something, that thing that is constantly occupying your thoughts, that is mastering your life. Okay? a uh, good exercise we talked about this in bible class this morning if i looked at your day planner and looked at how you actually spend your time or if i looked at your bank account and looked at how you actually spend your money those are the things that are actually determining the course of your life we can say a lot of stuff but when i look at the way i'm actually living what is it that masters my life okay as far as your body goes are you in control or are your physical desires controlling you okay Uh, desires are good right sexual desires are good it's good to have drive it's good to have ambition god created those things for us but we need to be honest with ourselves we need to be aware enough about ourselves to ask what is mastering me what is really controlling my life and we need to look at ourselves honestly and say i'm not going to be mastered by even the good things that god has created we can take even good things and make them bad things when we allow those good things to take control that make sense that work all right number three And most importantly, uh, Paul asks the question, Do we honor God with our bodies? Right? The final line of this whole paragraph is he says, Honor God with your body. Verse 19, very specifically, Paul says, Our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. You know, in the ancient world, uh, you built a temple. And they literally thought that the God came and lived in that temple, okay? For instance, in Corinth, they thought we've built such a beautiful building. Aphrodite herself in spirit is residing in this building, right? In ancient Judaism, we had temple, okay? And at the temple, in the Holy of Holies, that's where the presence of God himself manifests on earth, right? In our churches, we don't call these temples, right? Because we know that God doesn't dwell in this building, but we still have temples in Christianity. The Bible is very clear the temple is us, right where does god dwell on earth he dwells in you and me when we've committed our lives to jesus christ our bodies are temples of the living god okay because of that what we do with our bodies matters now part of the problem in the ancient world and this really started with the greeks okay but i'm sad to say it's still a problem for us today since so much of our thinking is still influenced by all the greeks Okay, is that they all wanted to separate the physical from the spiritual. Okay, in Paul's day, that was a modern problem, right? This idea that you could separate out what happens physically and what happens spiritually. right, but, okay, we know better, right? If we take the first page of our Bible seriously, who created all the physical stuff? God did. And in the first page of your Bible, when God created it all, did he create it evil? What does he say after every day of creation? Over and over again, he says, it is good. Okay, if we take it seriously, then we know that all of the physical stuff around us is part of God's good creation, and if it is good, then it is therefore holy. And yet we are so tempted to say, well, that's physical, and this is spiritual, and those are separate and apart completely. Okay, that is a Greek idea. It is not a biblical idea. In fact, you think most of the elements that are so important to us in Christianity combine physical and spiritual things together. Okay? You think about the cross that we looked at when we were taking communion. Right? And you think about how Jesus went to that cross. He suffered a physical death. He suffered a physical resurrection as part of a spiritual reality that goes so much deeper than just the physical, right? But it's both together. Jesus doesn't come as a spirit and just teach us spiritual truths. He came in the flesh and went through physical things. You don't separate the physical and the spiritual away from each other. Okay. When we remember the death of Jesus, how do we do it? We do it with communion. Now, during communion, do we just think about Jesus' things? Or do we physically eat and physically drink? Okay. We don't separate the physical and the spiritual out from each other. One of the more modern impulses in Christianity is to say that whenever we uh, put on Jesus, it's just a spiritual thing, so the physical side of it doesn't matter, right? But what does Scripture always teach? When you put on Jesus, you do it with a physical act. You physically go into the water. You have this very tactile experience by which we are united with a spiritual reality. Right? We don't separate the physical and the spiritual out from each other because we recognize that God is the God of all of it, and it all goes together. Okay. So anytime we're tempted to say, well, what I do with my body is not really that important because my spirit is staying holy, we're on a complete wrong page. Paul is teaching us very specifically, if your body is a temple of the living God, then the way you treat that body matters. We don't separate out physical and spiritual things. Does that all work? That all makes sense? All right. So what you do sexually, you do with your whole self, both spiritual and physical, because you can't separate all that out. By the way, I've done some counseling with several people that um, said to me, they said, you know, preacher, I really wish I hadn't had sex at this particular instance. Okay? I have never had somebody in a counseling session say, you know, preacher, I really wish that we had had sex then. Okay? That hasn't happened, right? We all think that there's such a thing as a casual sexual encounter, and yet the Bible would tell us that's not true. That's not a real thing. There's no such thing as casual sex, okay, because sex is part of the physical, which is also part of the spiritual. It all goes together. You can't separate all that out. That work? All right, now, if our body is not simply our property, but if it really belongs to the Lord, then there's a bunch of questions that I need to ask myself with how I'm treating my body. Right? Here's the part where I'm going to start meddling. Okay? Okay, but here's questions we need to ask ourselves as we think about having our body as the temple of the living God. Okay, do we eat right? Even in the choices we make and what we put inside of our bodies, do we think about that as feeding the temple of God? Okay, do we exercise Do we sleep enough? (laughs) Right? Do we take enough time away from work to relax? Do we work on the stress in our lives? They say one of the most damaging things that we can do to ourselves is live with a lot of stress. Okay, Even how many hours in in the day do we spend sitting in front of a screen? Right? Are we taking care of? of our temples do we treat our bodies as if they are temples of the living god again i can't tell you exactly what that's going to look like in your life i can't tell you exactly in some legalistic way here's exactly how long you need to exercise and exactly what you need to eat okay but we need to think what is beneficial what is mastering me am i using everything in my life including my physical resources including my own body as a way of serving god almighty if not then i haven't truly surrendered everything to jesus as lord All right, at this time in our service, we are going to sing a few verses of an invitation song. Uh, During the singing of this song, I will be down front, one of our shepherds will be down front. Uh, During this time in our service, this is a time where we as the church want to be here for you. if we can pray with you or talk with you about anything that's going on in your life, we want to provide that as the family of God to you. And before we sing that song though, I'd like to close us with a word of blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and give you peace. Let's stand and sing.